So, um, we were going to have a baptism today. I had a baptism message for you today. And uh, I'm not going to lie, when I was calling off the baptism last night, uh, the thought went through my head. I'm like, she could tough it out. <laughs> it was about 6 o'clock last night. I had one message prepared for today, and I wasn't going to preach this message till next week, so I had another week to prepare, but um, no, it was, it was just too cold. So uh, I could tough it out. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so we are going to continue in the book of James today. Um, I had planned on um, doing verse 19 through the end of chapter 2 today, but I realized as I was reading it that uh, that was just far too much material to cover adequately, um, so I decided to shorten it a bit. So we are going to cover uh, verse 19 of chapter 1 of the book of James through uh, verse 27. and. The title of this sermon today is uh, A Faith That Works, Part 1, Be a Doer. So we got to be doers of the word. So uh, that is what I'm doing today. I'm being a doer. Uh, <laughs> that's what I had to do last night, right? Practice what you preach. Uh, <laughs> um, anyway, uh, no, I... I uh, this is what I like doing, and uh, thanks to the new program that I'm using, it actually makes it fairly easy to put together a sermon. So uh, the, the, those handouts that you guys have, uh, that program makes those handouts for me. Uh, so it's, it's pretty cool. It's, it's pretty cool. And it made the slides today, too, so I didn't have to do any of that. Uh, so pretty awesome. Uh, it's, it, it is very beneficial. So thank you all for that. Um, so go ahead and turn to James chapter 1, and we'll go ahead and pray as we open up God's Word. Uh, dear Lord, thank you for this day. Um, thank you for all of the opportunities that you give us to grow, Lord, and uh, give me to grow. Um, thank you, Lord, that uh, we get to come together and fellowship and worship you. And I pray now, Lord, as we move into this time of diving into your word that you would open up our hearts and our minds and allow us to be like sponges and and let your word sink in that we may apply it in our lives in jesus name i pray amen, amen. <clears throat> so we're gonna go ahead and dive in now um so this part of the book of james is transitioning from enduring what we talked about last week now to putting that faith to work, right? So there is a difference between the two. Faith enduring, that is an action there, uh, just enduring things that are coming at you. Now we are going at those things, right? So now it's not just waiting for, for things to happen to us. Now we are going to go and put this faith to work. So uh, starting in verse 19 of James chapter 1, it says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. So, 
this part of this passage first is a bridge uh, to that being a doer, right? So a bridge from the enduring part to the being a doer. Uh, if you have the King James Version, it'll say wherefore there. Uh, in the New King James, it says so then. Uh, either way, we can understand that to mean for this reason. So all of the things that James has said previously, he's now saying, for this reason, be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, right? So based off of everything before all the trials and all the enduring that we have to do, for this reason, we need to be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. So this is pre preparation for the work that we are going to be doing. So in this passage, in this part of the passage, uh, there are three pieces of advice for preparation, for preparing ourselves to do God's work. Uh, the first piece of preparation is uh, James 1, 19 through 20. It says, so then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So all three of those together are one piece of advice. Um, one piece of advice, swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. So those three things. Now, the reason why I say one piece of advice is because you can't separate those. Uh, we have to do all of those in conjunction with each other. So in this world today, there's a lot of people that are swift to speak and slow to hear. Uh, you don't have to turn on the news for very long, and you see a lot of people that just want to talk and be heard, uh, don't want to listen to the other side. Uh, you, you, have you noticed that when a news uh, anchor has a guest on, they're always trying to talk over each other. They're always trying to have the last word, and a lot of times the anchor has to be like, okay, now we have to go to commercial break. But then the guy keeps trying to talk, right? Uh, everybody wants to be heard. Nobody wants to listen. Uh, you look at all the protests that are happening today. We want to be heard. Or the riots, we will make you hear us. But nobody wants to listen. And I'm talking about both sides of this spectrum. We can see this in churches, too. You know, people that famously can argue about the color of the carpet, right? Uh, everybody wants to be heard. You know what happens when everybody just wants to be heard? Then it escalates. Uh, you're, this person's going to talk, and then this person's going to talk louder. And then this person's going to talk louder. And then we have wrath, right? So being swift to speak and slow to hear, that's what leads to wrath. So what does it mean to be swift to hear? Swift to hear. So James is actually making a general statement here, being swift to hear. So, uh, but he does make this statement right after the previous verse. So we have to understand that while there is no actual connection to that previous verse, James had that previous verse in mind. Verse 18. This was the last verse that we covered last week. Uh, James 1, 18 says, of his, own, he, of his own will brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So we have to understand that when James is saying be swift to hear, he has in mind that he, this is talking about the word of truth. But again, it is still a general statement. So it's not just 
listen to the word of truth, right? Not just listen to the gospel. Uh, he is also talking in a general way about being swift to hear people, being swift to hear in general as a child of God. There's a famous statement uh, that uh, God gave us two ears and one mouth. We have two ears to listen, but only one mouth to speak. So we need to be slow to speak in that respect. See, we need to be quick to listen to people, but not so quick to talk and give our advice on every little thing or um, say, well, we want our side to be heard or, uh, you know, all of that stuff, the, all the stuff that causes arguments. We need to be listening to other people first. Uh, this will play into uh, what James gets into later uh, in this passage, but the being swift to hear, we have to understand what the problems of this world are before we jump in and try to fix them. We have to understand what people's needs are, and for that we have to listen to them, right? You can't just not listen to people and say, oh, I'm going to fix your problems. I don't know what they are, but I'm going to jump in and fix them, right? Because I'm awesome. We need to listen so that people will tell us uh, what they need and be slow to speak. Uh, you know, this actually played in a lot in when I was taking counseling class, right? Uh, we need to not just be so quick to talk. Sometimes people just need to be heard when you are, are the one that is working with them. Sometimes people just need to talk to you about some stuff. And we don't just need to jump in and, and say, well, you need to do this, this, and this, and that's going to make all your problems better. Sometimes they just need someone to be there for them, right? But then he moves on and he says, slow to wrath. Slow to wrath. So, like I said, the being swift to speak and slow to hear, that, that leads to wrath, Right? The, all, all of the arguments that happen, that leads to anger and wrath, where we are then, we go from being, wanting to be heard to now we are attacking each other. We don't want to do that. Wrath makes us fools in life. Ecclesiastes 7.9 says, Do not hasten in your spirit to be angry, for anger rests in the bosom of fools. Proverbs 14.29 says, He who is slow to wrath has great understanding, but he who is impulsive exalt, exalts folly. Proverbs 14.17, A quick-tempered man acts foolishly, and a man of wicked intentions is halted. So wrath is not a good thing. Uh, that's a pretty... Simple concept to understand, right? We need to not be wrathful. We need to be quick to hear. You know, that, uh, that statement uh, in Proverbs 14, 29, if you go back there a couple slides, sorry. Um, he who is slow to wrath has great understanding. Notice that there. He's talking about wisdom, right? If you are slow to get angry at people, if you are listening to them if you are understanding people that's a wise thing to do but again anger 
uh, or sorry, but he who is impulsive, so he who is jumping into things, exalts folly. Folly is, is, is being dumb, basically. Uh, you, are, you are lifting up things that are dumb. Uh, you, you don't want to do that in life. The second piece of advice here. James says to lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, or uh, if you have King James Version, it says superfluous, uh, <laughs> that's a good word, right? Superflu superfluity of naughtiness. Uh, anyway, uh, it says, and re receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. So first look at this statement, lay aside all filthiness. Lay aside all filthiness. To lay aside means to be done with or to take off. Um, the Greek word here is actually only used once in the New Testament, just right here. And the idea that it gives uh, is to take off clothes. So it, it gives this idea, this lay aside, it gives us the idea of taking off clothes. So taking off their garments. So it says, lay aside all filthiness. Uh, the filthiness is moral depravity, right? And then it says, and overflow of wickedness. So we can understand that to mean a, an abundance of depravity. So we, we have moral depravity, and then we have uh, lewdness and depravity. We have all of these things that are just not good, this naughtiness, right? I, I like that word, naughtiness. Uh, that that describes this very well. It's just things that are just bad. Uh, um, when I was looking at this, the Greek translation here, it literally just says badness. So it's just literally the idea that these things are bad, right? Um, so abundance of badness. Uh, the, the word abundance there, see, you have to understand in the Greek, the word order doesn't make that much of a difference. Uh, so we can understand that the filthiness and the wickedness, it's talking about abundance of both of those. So you want to lay aside all of that. So this idea of taking off or uh, being done with your old clothes, it's these old, dirty clothes that we are laying aside. We're literally taking off these old things that we used to clothe ourselves with being done with it, being done with that wickedness of our past. Those garments are dirty. Remember, the Bible says also our righteousness is as of filthy rags. It's the same idea here. So it's we taking off these old garments. Uh, the third piece of advice that James gives in this beginning passage uh, is that he says, therefore, lay aside all filthiness and a, a overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. So that third piece of advice, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. So James says to receive with meekness. So receive with meekness. What does that mean? Well, that means to humbly receive so the implanted word this is talking about the word of god 
but receive humbly the word of God. Now, the implanted word uh, or the engrafted word, as it might say in your Bible, uh, it means to uh, be like a seed uh, planted in the ground. Again, this is another one of those words that is used only once in the New Testament. Uh, this implanted word. So literally what it is talking about is like a seed planted in soil. And that soil needs to be receptive to that seed. So the, the, we have to take to the word like soil taking to a seed. And then James ends this, and this is where some people will get hung up. It, he describes the word as, which is able to save your souls. Now, this is not James saying that the people that he's talking to are unsaved. He is merely describing the word as having the quality of being able to save souls. So James isn't saying you're not saved. James is saying that this is what the word can do. So this is a quality of the word of God. It's an important distinction there because remember James is speaking to saved individuals. So James moves on from this and now he is full on in the mode of get to work, right? He moves on to James 1.22. He gives a command to be a doer. Be a doer. That's the point of this message today and really... Uh, this is what the book of James is centered around, this verse. It says in James 1.22, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So there's a, I, I devoted a whole section of this sermon just to that one verse, because there's a lot to unpack there. So, but first, be a doer of the word. What does it mean to be a doer of the word. Well, first, it, it means applying biblical principles learned uh, that you've learned from the Bible to your life. So even when we even in this message, we've covered some biblical principles that we should apply, like laying aside all filthiness and superfluous. Uh, <laughs> I can't say that word. I'm just going to say the other one. Abundance of wickedness right uh we we need to lay aside that wickedness we cannot just sit here and listen to these messages or preach these messages we actually have to apply them in our life this is what james is talking about about being a doer of the word all of the things that we can learn from the bible we need to actually apply them we actually do them in our life. Not just come to church, hear it, and then go, okay, I'm going to go back to my life now and I'll see you next week, right? No. The Bible, I don't care if you do that to me, but don't do that to God's word, right? You need to be taking these things with you in your life. It also means loving God and loving your neighbor. We went over the greatest commandment on a Wednesday night just a couple weeks ago. Love God and love your neighbor, right? That's one of the things that the Bible tells us to do. Are we actually doing that in our life? Are we just saying 
that that's a good thing. Because there's a big difference between saying, oh yeah, that's a good thing to love your neighbor. And then actually carrying that out. Do we actually do love? Do we actually do things for other people? Do we actually work for God? Then it means going out and fulfilling the Great Commission. It's one of the commands that Jesus gave us to do. It is literally our mission as Christians. The Great Commission is our mission. So being a doer of the word is doing this. Going out and telling people about Jesus. Finally, with this, it means continuing, continuing to grow in your faith. We can't just stop uh, where we are. We can't just stay as babes in Christ. You know, I, I think it's in 2 Peter where he gives these list of Christian virtues. He says to add to your faith knowledge. And then he continues and he says, add to your brotherly kindness, charity, that brotherly kindness being uh, Philadelphia love, right? The love for the brother. And then add to that charity, add to that sacrificial love, the agape love. So all of this, we are to grow. That's what it means to be a doer of the word. Then he says, not only a hearer. So what does it mean to be hearers only? Or not hearers only? When He's telling us to not do this. Well, first of all, notice the word only there. He is not saying that we are not to be hearers of the word, right? We have to be hearers of the word. He says, don't be a hearer only. So what does that mean? Well, these are the people who are Christians on Sunday only, right? They, we, we come, we preach, or we sit and listen, but then the rest of the week, we're not, we're, we, it's like a switch that we turned off, right? Uh, we turn it on on Sunday, and then we, we turn it off till next week, right? Or we maybe turn it back on on Wednesday if we decide to go. But we don't actually live it out in our lives. Again, I don't care if you do that to me, but don't do that to God's word. Take God's word with you in your life. Uh, don't be a Christian just on Sunday only. Don't be a follower of Christ on Sunday only. Don't just be a hearer of the word. Uh, we're going to hear this multiple times throughout the book of James. He will make statements like this. Uh, James is a very blunt guy. He's a man of action. So just remember that when we are going through the book of James. This is not me getting angry. This is James. Okay? He says, if you think about it, these are people who never grow past the basics. So we just talked about uh, growing in our faith. Well, then there's people who get saved and then they never do anything else past that. Now, they're still saved, praise God, but they're useless. 
These are people who are complacent in life. You know, complacency is one of the biggest enemies of Christians today. It reminds me a lot of when we go over the book of Acts and stuff and uh, how the early Christians, they got complacent at first and then God sent persecution and that spurred them into action. See, they, they were starting to be just hearers, just like at, in James' time, we're starting to do this today. Christians as a whole, we're doing this, especially in America. We're being complacent. Why do we think our country is turning the way it is? Because there's this idea that Christians are just supposed to be nice and let people walk all over us. That's not so. That's not so. That's not what God wants for us. We are supposed to be taking the fight to the enemy, not just being walked all over. And by the enemy, I mean the devil, because he's not complacent. The devil is many things, but lazy is not one of them. He's constantly working. At the, the last part of this verse, he says, uh, deceiving your own selves, deceiving yourself. If you are only a hearer of the word, you are deceiving yourself. Now, there is a reason why I, I put the fill in the blank there on yourself, right? Because I wanted to underline that. No, you're not deceiving anybody else. You're deceiving yourself. You are leading yourself astray. If you think God just commanded you to go to church and nothing else, you're deceiving yourself. You're fooling yourself. We cannot be complacent in life. We have to work for God. We were bought with a price. You see, if you look at all the Jehovah's Witnesses out there and they're all out there, mar they're going door knocking. I mean, they are working. Right. Uh, when COVID happened, right, the, you stopped getting the knocking on the door. But then I started getting letters, handwritten letters from them. They are working, but they are not doing it out of love. They're doing it out of fear. Fear is a powerful motivator. They are doing it to receive something. We need to remember that we should be out there working because we have already received something. You see, we were already bought with the blood of Christ. It's like getting a check in advance. That doesn't mean that you don't do the work. You just got paid beforehand, right? Jesus paid us beforehand. He did it before that, and he's now asking that we go and do the work for him. He's commanding us to do it. He is our boss. So we need to do the work. Again, do you think the devil was obeying the stay-at-home order this last year? No. He doesn't care. He's out there working. He's probably out there working harder than ever. See, Peter talks about the devil as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. You know how lions hunt? They will stalk a herd, right? And they will wait for 
uh, animals to get separated from their herd, and then they'll attack that animal that gets separated. They'll attack the weak ones that can't keep up. So what did this, what did this stay-at-home order do to us? It isolated every single one of us. It isolated people that are unbelievers, too. He's having a field day out there. He's working hard. We need to be working just as hard to spread the word. You see, we can't fight the devil ourselves, but God's word's good enough to fight the devil. So we need to be spreading it out there. We need to be spreading God's word. Because again, the devil's not lazy, so we can't afford to be. Now, moving on to the reason to be a doer. Now, not just for other people. James actually uh, makes this about you. He makes it about me. The reason why we have to be doers for us, right? James 1, 23 through 25 says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word, but not a doer, or and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it is not a forgetful, forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. So James here makes his appeal to be a doer. He gives the reason, right? And the reason he gives is because it is good for us to do it. He's not saying here that the world needs you to be a doer, although it does, but that's not what James is saying here. He is not saying that God needs you to be a doer. What he is saying is it's you that needs you to be a doer. We need to be doers for our own sake. The first example he gives of this is a man forgetting himself. A man forgetting himself. Read, read, let's read that first part again. It says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. So this is actually kind of a funny statement here when you think about it. So can you imagine, uh, I, I look at myself in the mirror, and I, I look away really quick, and I, I forget what I looked like, so I have to look again, right? And I look away, oh, uh, okay, I'm still, I'm still me. That's literally what James is saying here, is when we are just hearers of the word and we're not doing it in our lives, we go, okay, this word tells me who I am, right? And so I, I, I read it, and I go, oh, I'm a child of God. But I put it down, and I'm, I'm just a hearer, and I'm like, oh, okay, I'm still a child of God. Am I still a child? Okay, yeah, good. That's what he's saying. We need to not be forgetful of who we are. But in order to do that, we actually have to work. 
You see, when you go and apply things in your life, it's a lot less likely that you are going to forget the lessons that you have learned. It is not like riding a bike. See, we always hear that term, oh, it's just like riding a bike. No, the word, the word of God is not like riding a bike. You see, we need to read it and we need to keep it in practice. And so we don't forget throughout the week who we are. And then he gives this second example, the man blessed in what he does. The man blessed in what he does. He says, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, by the way, the perfect law of liberty, that is the Bible, and continues in it. So he adds that. So you look into the perfect law of liberty and you continue in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. So you want God to bless the work that you're doing for him, then we need to be applying these principles throughout our lives, not just on Sundays, right? We can't just go, okay, I heard the message and I forgot what it was by the next week. No, we, we have to actually apply it, and that is for our own sakes. That gives us the assurance that we need. See, your, your salvation is not based off of that, but we can forget our salvation. That's a scary place to be in. So we need to be applying these principles in our lives. We need to be working for God. That way we will always remember who we are and whose we are. So what does it look like to be a doer? What does it look like? James says in verse 26 to 27, If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, notice that, remember that, uh, bridle his tongue, because James is going to go over that again later, so make a note there of that. Uh, in the coming weeks, we will talk about the tongue. Uh, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God is this. Oh, sorry, before God and the Father is this. To visit the orphans and the widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. So James contrasts two things here right at the end of this chapter. Uh, he contrasts useless religion and pure religion. Religion. So first, let's talk about useless religion. Going back just to the, the verse 26 there. If anyone among you thinks he is religious or seems to be religious and does not bridle his tongue. So remember, don't be uh, quick to speak, right? Bridle your tongue means like a horse. You know, you have to have that bridle there to control it, control your tongue. Uh, we need to not be quick to speak, but deceives his own heart. So again, being a hearer and not a doer, that is deceiving your, yourself. He says, this one's religion is useless. So if you are the type of Christian that has an uncontrollable tongue and 
You are the type of Christian that just comes to church on Sundays to hear the message and doesn't apply the word in your life. He's saying that religion that you hold to, that is useless. It's useless. It's vain. It's for nothing. It's good for nothing. He's not talking about salvation, remember. He's talking about working for God. He's talking about a working faith. We don't want to be seen as useless to God. That's, also, that's a bad place to be. You don't want to be useless. Then he says, he talks about pure religion. He says this, Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit the orphans and the widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Now, I was reading commentary on this because I wanted to make sure that I, I was going to do this right. He gives a couple examples here. This is by no means an exhaustive list. So he is not listing everything here. He is likely just listing the things that are off the top of his head. So listing the things that are at the forefront, right? He says to visit the orphans and the widows. So these two groups of people were likely at the time the two biggest groups of people that needed help. So he's not just saying only go visit the orphans and the widows. That would be not a good way to look at this passage. He is giving examples of people that we should help. But to look at that and go, we're only going to visit the orphans and the widows and no one else. No, that's not what James is saying here. Orphans and widows are examples of people that can't take care of themselves. So we visit them in their trouble. We help them. The word visit there, that doesn't mean just to go and see and say, hi, I, I saw you, now I'm going to leave now. All right? No, that's, that's not what James is saying. The, the word visit there means to help. So we have to help those people. Then he says to keep oneself unspotted from the world. This idea of the world there, this can be taken as the idea of the world controlled by the devil. So you, we are to keep ourselves separate from that. Or it can just be the worldly things. So we, we don't know exactly what James is talking about there, but both of those things are bad. So just worldly things or the things controlled by the devil, either way, we are supposed to keep ourselves from those. Keep ourselves unspotted from the world. Now, we are never going to be perfect in that. We have to remember that. We're never going to be perfect in that. That is what asking forgiveness is for. Uh, we, we, uh, in 1 John chapter 1, uh, he says, uh, I think it's verse 9. I'm going to go ahead and turn there so I don't butcher it. I want to actually say it right. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. To cleanse us, again, this is another book that is written to believers there, so that's not talking about salvation. This is talking about the daily cleansing that we would do. So he, he's actually referring back to the priests 
of the Old Testament that would cleanse themselves before they would go to God. So what he's talking about here is as Christians, we can ask God anytime to forgive us our sins and he just wipes it away over and over and over again. Now, just like Paul said, we're not to continue in our sin that grace may abound because that's just not nice to do to God. <laughs> we don't want to do that to God. We should be grateful about what he's given us. But that does mean here, though, that God is just to forgive us our sins. So keeping ourselves unspotted, right, back to this passage, well, we can keep asking for forgiveness. This is what pure religion looks like. To be working for people, showing God's love to people, to trying to keep ourselves unspotted from the world, and then asking for forgiveness when we don't. That is what a good Christian looks like. Someone who acts and someone who has a good relationship with God. In conclusion, as the pianist and song leader come, James, again, is a man of action. He says to be a doer of the word. Are we, think about this as we leave here, are you a doer or are you just a hearer? Because the devil's a doer. He's not a doer of the word, but he's a doer for sure. So we need to be doers of the word. And if that answer, when you, if you ask yourself that question, that answer is no, ask God to forgive you because he's told you to go be a doer. 